0: radical broad. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. For some of us, mysterious, confusing, and even elusive. But what is it about this baptism that is so important? Brothers, and sisters, there are many of us that are kept from everything our father has for us because we don't understand this topic. You see, if you believe that you have everything you need, everything that there is to have in Christ, well, by nature, you're not going to necessarily seek anything out more. And especially if you have even been taught to avoid something like this. In fact, many of us have been taught that we are guaranteed the baptism of the Holy Spirit the moment that we are saved or the moment we got baptized in water. I was taught that myself. I grew up in a church where I got baptized even as a little baby. But as I grew up and grew in my faith, I couldn't help but realize that there was something still missing. There was various aspects of the walk of my Messiah, especially the powerful aspects of how he walked in great power and authority over the enemy and over disease and how he performed miracles. And he did all these amazing things. And when I looked at my life and the lives of those around me, I couldn't help but be honest with myself and realize that something is wrong. And after I sought the father on this deeply for years, he came, he met me and he baptized me in his Holy Spirit. But it needed for me to come to this understanding that I need that. I needed to come to an understanding that I not only need it, but I need to put faith in him and that he desires for me to walk in it. And it absolutely changed my life. And I realized that even though I grew up in the church and got baptized as a baby, I never even scratched the surface, really, of what it meant to be a believer, because for one of the reasons it was because I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. And after that, spiritual giftings started invading my life as I sought the father. But today there are many believers who are good Christians who go to church every Sunday, who love God with all their heart. But maybe you, f- you feel the same way I did that. There's there's something wrong. There's something missing in my life. And you may not be able to exactly put your finger on it, but Today, I want you to at least consider whether this may be the missing puzzle piece. But for us to even have this conversation, there's one thing that I would need to ask of you. I want you to entertain the idea that you may be wrong in what you believe about this topic. If you grew up the way I did, I was not really taught anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it was kind of assumed that all of us are baptized in the spirit because the moment we believe we're baptized in the spirit. But I soon realized that that may not be completely true. And it's quite apparent, isn't it, when we look at the different believers and how there are certainly believers walking in great things and then other believers who are struggling very much, but yet they all love God. Brothers, sisters, if you consider yourself a Protestant or uh, or at least of that lineage, by definition, you are admitting that your ancestors believed at least a thousand years worth of lies. And so if our ancestors believed a thousand years worth of ideas and theologies that we now admit are lies, that of Catholicism, maybe we should be humble enough to make sure we don't make the same mistake our ancestors did. Those who believed tradition without questioning it, who just believed the priest without looking at what the Father has said himself. But see, it's not even about just looking what he said, but being willing to take off our religious glasses and be willing to explore the possibility. That we may be wrong because you can read the Bible and read your ideas into the Bible, or you can read the Bible for what it says. And today we are going to do nothing but that. I hope I would like to read a lot of Bible, if you don't mind, and we're going to look at what it just says. What does it speak out? Because I think it's actually very clear about what it says about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so we will be exploring some of the signs that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to be exploring misconceptions about the Holy Spirit because, well, there are so many out there. And I really hope that this brings you closer to understanding the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. One of the first times something sounding like the baptism of the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Scripture Is really by John the Baptist, the one who came to prepare the way for Yeshua. And he says the following in Matthew 3 verse 9. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals are not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist comes and he says that You can't just rely on the idea that you think you're chosen. You can't just say Abraham is my father. I'm all right. God chose me. He chose my family to be believers or however you may think of it. I'm all right. He says every tree that does not bear good fruit will be thrown into the fire. He equates men, me and you to being like trees. He also then goes on and he says that there is going to come one. After him, and he's pointing to Yeshua, who will baptize in the Holy Spirit and in fire, something that has never been done. In fact, this is setting up one of the objectives of the Messiah. Yeshua didn't just come to die for your sins, which would have been amazing in of itself. If that was all he did, that would have been enough. But what he did on top of that is he died to immerse us to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire, as John said. Now, it's really interesting that he equates us to being like trees, because when you think about a tree, the biggest danger to a tree is fire, is it not? But yet he says there's going to come one who's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. But if I'm a tree and I'm going to be baptized in fire, Well, that doesn't sound like a good idea. It sounds like I would burn out, I would die. And that's exactly right. You see, on Mount Sinai. When God came and he made Israel as they were at the base of the mountain, the as God descended upon the mountain, he descended in fire. It says that there was a great fire on the mountain. And God even tells the people, don't come near me. Don't come near the mountain or up the mountain except for Moses and the ones I choose. Otherwise, I will break out against them. God is so holy and righteous and good that any unclean man who would come near him would die. They don't stand a chance because he is fire. But we, we were but trees. But would, in fact, he goes on and he's told us before how don't fear man who can kill the body, but fear him who can destroy both body and soul in Guyana in hell. You see, brothers and sisters, God, we had a problem where God couldn't come near us. But one of the objectives of the Messiah, as I mentioned, was to tear the veil was to open the door he in fact is the door so that we come come through to the father while israel could not go on the mountain they could not be immersed by god for his fire would have destroyed them yeshua opens the door and he makes our trees fireproof You see, there is something that happens to the human soul when the Messiah dies for it that makes us clean and holy and righteous where the Father doesn't see any spot or wrinkle. And because of that, I want to tell you, it's like we became fireproof and we are able to be baptized, immersed in fire, baptized, with the Holy Spirit. Before, we couldn't go on the mountain, but now everything has changed after the Messiah has come. In fact, I want to submit to you that this is the reason that God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, because he was trying to show, look, there's this a tree, and this tree is burning continuously. This tree was obviously fireproof, It wasn't burning out, wasn't dying. In fact, it was so weird that it drew Moses to it. What is it about this tree that it burns continuously? It does not burn out, Moses thinks to himself. And yet God is here saying he's showing a picture. He's saying this, Moses, is what I want you and every all of my people to one day become trees who would be able to contain me, my fire who would be filled with my spirit and power. And what did he do at that burning bush to Moses? That's the very place he gave Moses power. He gave him the gift of miracles to go to Pharaoh with and to convince Pharaoh to let Israel go. You see, this has been God's plan from the beginning. He is a fire an all consuming fire, he said. But he wants to become one with his people. And that was the great problem that Yeshua came to solve. And so rejecting or or by sidestepping the baptism of the Holy Spirit is sidestepping one of the big parts of why the Messiah came and why he died for us to inherit, not for us to just be a good Sunday going Christians, but for us to become like him, powerful, and while working in the Holy Spirit, empowered from above, clothed with power from above, as God said. And as we go along with that, the world will be drawn just like Moses was drawn to that burning bush. I want to read to you Hebrews 12:29, for our God is a consuming fire. And 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. There is no way for you to be joined with the Lord who is an all-consuming fire to not catch on fire. The question is, is what will that fire do to you? Do you have the sacrifice of the Messiah who has cleansed you so that when that fire does come upon you, you will be able to burn for him? and be used by him, or will you die without a sacrifice? You will also face God's fire. But if you have not received his sacrifice, his cleansing power, you will burn out and you will die. You will be like Israel at the base of the mountain, who if they were to go up, they would have died. In Luke 12, verse 49, Yeshua, Jesus himself talks about this and he says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Yeshua describes what his immediate role on the earth was when he came in the flesh to cast fire on the earth, to baptize with the Holy Spirit, just as John said he would come and do. He, in fact, goes as far as to say that it is a, he was not at this point in a great distress until it is accomplished. Many have said that this baptism of fire is not something that is that is for believers, but for unbelievers exclusively. I want to submit to you that it's not the case. It's for both. It's just going to depend on whether you can take it or not, whether you've been prepared by his sacrifice to receive a fire or not. Because just like in the the, in the Levitical system. What had to happen was that you had to have a sacrifice that was perfect and spotless and then the fire of God would come upon it and he calls you to be a living sacrifice. Don't think you'll escape his fire. The only question is what will happen when it comes upon you? If it was that this Baptism of fire was simply for unbelievers. It wouldn't make sense for Yeshua to say he came to cast fire on the earth and he is in great distress for it to be accomplished. Because I just don't see how he is in great in a great hurry and a great distress to cast fire on unbelievers who will just that would just lead to their death. I hope you understand what I'm saying, brothers and sisters. My point is simply that. This fire baptism is going to be for all. You're going to be baptized in fire now or tomorrow, one day. The question just is, is will you receive it today ready and be ready to receive it? Will you run with this fire in you and do much for his kingdom? Or will you receive it at the judgment where you will perish in Gehenna? In Psalm 104 verse 4, it's written. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. I would now like to discuss six signs of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How would one know that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit? It will be evident in your life. And the scriptures gives us various examples and things to point to. The first is a certain boldness and I remember in my life that this was a big thing. It doesn't mean that my fears all disappeared overnight because we will all always face fears that we will need to overcome. However, I did find myself being more hungry and bold to step out for the sake of his kingdom. We read in Acts four thirty one. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I think it is quite apparent in our reading of scripture how the disciples themselves before they were baptized in the spirit really struggled with boldness. But after their baptism in the Holy Spirit grew incredibly bold for their Messiah. They were not only driven by the fact that he has died for them, but that his spirit and all his authority now rests within them. Another sign is one that we read about in various places in scripture, including the book of Acts, and that is dreams and visions. When the Holy Spirit was famously poured out in Acts chapter 2, Peter came up. And he spoke regarding a prophecy in Joel and he explained how there will be visions and dreams. And we read the following Acts 2 verse 17. And in the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour up my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Prophecy, visions, and dreaming dreams was something that was common amongst the Old Testament prophets in their day, but not amongst other believers. However, this is one of the things that changed. When his spirit was poured out upon all after Acts chapter 2, prophecy, visions, and dreams is something that, the average believer can experience. And it is one of the signs of baptism of the Holy Spirit. Another sign is, well, signs and wonders. When we start experiencing signs and wonders in our lives in the form of us exercising spiritual gift and 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 so forth, we have more evidence for baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is one I will talk about more later in this teaching. Another sign of baptism of the Holy Spirit is simply and a growth in love. You see, churches and congregations that often struggle with unity are commonly struggling also with the exercising of spiritual gifts within the congregation. And in this, in the form of praying for one another, ministering to one another, you see, it can easily become a thing where it's the pastor who ministers to everyone, but each individual have not taken up their ministry and taken up their spiritual gifts to serve each other with. And it is in the serving of one another that we prove to one another our love for one another. And There is not much that could change our hearts to be more filled with love than seeing the Holy Spirit work in and through us. Because, see, you become a vessel, a pipe, if you will, where the Holy Spirit must travel through to get to the person that you're ministering to and in the process of him moving and traveling through you. Our issues, our lack of love, our struggles are also healed. Another sign of baptism of the Holy Spirit in one's life is fruits of the Spirit. This one should be mostly self-explanatory, love, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. We are supposed to minister and manifest these things in our lives for others to see. And it should be evident. This is only going to be possible by the Holy Spirit because they are called the fruits of the spirit. It's the the consequence of having one being filled with the spirit. And then lastly, the last sign of being baptized in the spirit, that I would like to touch on briefly is, well, relating to God's law. You see, when we are filled with his spirit, we will have a hunger to keep his law, to be righteous, to walk holy. We will have the empowerment to do so, and we will have, perhaps most importantly, the discernment to keep his law lawfully to keep his law for what it, and see his law for what it is and what it was given for and use it for what it was given for. Now, I would like to just say on this one that it could be tempting for us as we judge ourselves and audit ourselves to look at this one about God's law and say, oh, well, you know, I love God's law. So that means I'm I'm baptized in the spirit. It's not that simple. The Pharisees who came against Yeshua loved God's law, but they did not have the baptism of the spirit. It's not just enough to love his law. It's about whether we are able to have the discernment that the spirit gives us that we would walk the law out lawfully. And if you don't know what that means, I encourage you to watch my teaching replacing Holy Spirit when we don't keep the law lawfully. Next, I'd like to talk about five misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. These are so huge and important for us to get to the bottom of, and we will be using scripture to answer these questions. The first misconception is that baptism of the Holy Spirit always occurs at the same moment of water baptism or salvation. The second misconception is that you must speak in tongues in order to be baptized in the spirit. The third is if you aren't baptized in the spirit, it means you aren't saved. The fourth is you must be baptized to be led by the Holy Spirit in any way. And the fifth, you must be baptized in the spirit in order to experience God. While some of these ideas may have some truth to them somehow, The simple answer is it's not that simple. And we're now going to investigate them. The first being whether baptism, the Holy Spirit and baptism in water. Is that always the same event? Let's look at what scripture says. I want to first read to you about Paul who encounters people who weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. We read this in Acts 19 verse one. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. The first thing we need to realize is that these men who Paul are coming to are recognized as believers. In fact, Paul asked them, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you believed? But if this was not even a question, in other words, if it was always the case that you received the baptism of the Spirit when you believed, why would Paul even be asking this? You see, we know that these are believers because they said that they were baptized into John's baptism. In other words, they were they were disciples of John and John, as we very well know, directed everyone to the Messiah and to believe in him. We read, for example, in Acts 19, verse four, and Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was come after him, that is in Jesus. So these men, as Paul recognizes, were directed to believe in Christ. So if they believed in him, but they weren't baptized in the spirit. This is a proof that you can believe and have salvation and not be baptized in the spirit. How do we know these men had salvation? Well, Ephesians two, verse eight says, for by grace, you've been saved through faith, not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. So therefore, we can see that these men were believers who were directed to Yeshua by John, but who had not yet received. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's read what happens next. Acts 19, verse five. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So Paul immediately went and he baptized these men into Christ. That is water baptism because they only got baptized into John's baptism, not Christ's baptism. So he does the water baptism with these believers. And then it says in the next verse, he then laid his hands on them. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. It is two distinct events, not only their salvation, because they were saved and by their faith and belief in Christ. But they did not they did not have the baptism of the spirit yet. And even when they got water baptized, that was still distinct from Paul's laying his hands on them to receive the baptism of the spirit. So we see we have salvation, baptism of the spirit and baptism and water laid out as three separate events. And notice also the accompanying signs that they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. This happened with their baptism of the Spirit. Just something to keep in mind as we go along here. Next, I'd like to talk about Peter and how he encountered people who he was going to, to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. So we read this in Acts 8 verse 6. And the crowds of one accord pay attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Verse 14, And when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, And they received the Holy Spirit. So Philip is in Samaria. He is doing great signs and wonders. And the people see this and they get baptized in water. And Philip is there baptizing people in water. And then the Apostles, Peter and John, they hear they come down about that. And they hear what's going on. And they wanted to baptize these people in the spirit. The Spirit of God had not fallen on any of these people, but they have only been baptized in water baptism into Christ. This is another evidence of how you can be baptized in water. You can be a believer, but not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And notice that how after they then lay hands on them, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. This is similar to the verbiage used before, just as how Paul laid hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter's doing the same thing. Now, we can also ask a question. Why did Philip not baptize these people in the Holy Spirit? Why did Peter have to travel all this way down to do so? There are many theories about this, but I want to submit to you. I think it's very simple philip simply did not have the knowledge the understanding about this yet believe it or not they were all kind of still figuring things out because all of this was very new still to everyone in fact not long after that i want to read to you regarding peter because peter also had to come to understanding himself even after this event after philip not knowing about the holy spirit baptism the same way he may have not known how to do it he may not have understood no experience right now peter still had lack of understanding even though he did it he thought that it's only for people who are jews or maybe samaritans but not for gentiles and god had to give peter a vision just to teach him peter the Holy Spirit's baptism is not just for a certain group of people, but for all, including the Gentiles. Because if Peter did not know this, if Peter did not receive this vision, if he did not get this understanding that the Holy Spirit is for all people, he would have passed the Gentiles by and the Gentiles would not have been filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, we read this in Acts 10:34. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This brings up an interesting point, our lack of understanding about the Holy Spirit, whether we're receiving it or whether we're praying for someone to receive it. If these parties don't understand then the Holy Spirit's baptism may not take place. See, we must know who can receive it. Like Peter had to know that, well, everyone can. We must know who can pray. Just like the Messiah eventually told us, well, I give you authority. I give you the same spirit lives in me, lives in you. And therefore, the answer is that. All of us can pray for someone else to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, another question is, what does it even look like to receive it? Because if we have expectations that are out of line, you know, that can be a hindrance. And maybe we even lift up our own experiences above what the word simply says. In other words, we would think and say things like, Well, you know, when I prayed for someone to receive the spirit, nothing happened. Therefore, it must not be for today anymore. Or therefore, it must not look like that or should not look like that. Or maybe you would say something like, you know, I tried to pray for someone for healing, but nothing happened. Therefore, healing cannot be for today anymore. That gift is not for today. What we do when we do this is we're simply lifting our experience above what the word simply says. And that's not walking in faith. That's walking in the flesh. That's walking what you see instead of I am seeing something, but that I'm supposed to see something else. And God sometimes wants to teach us and test us to see will we really believe, even if the first time we tried it, it didn't go the way we thought it would, because true faith is not stopped by what we see. So will you lift your experience over believing the word or not? Regardless, I think that we can all admit that under certain circumstances, including having a lack of knowledge about the Holy Spirit, can cause it to be that someone has been baptized in water, but yet not in the Holy Spirit yet. Just like those who were baptized by Philip in water, but not in the Holy Spirit yet. I would like to read on with this story because now we have Simon the sorcerer show up And he witnesses what Peter is doing, laying hands on people and they're being filled with the spirit. And we read what happens. He says this, Acts 8, verse 18, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Simon was witnessing something in the people who were being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Something so special that he said, I would do anything to have it. And he even had a twisted heart trying to pay for it. Nevertheless, the point is there was some sign, something supernatural that was happening in these believers. And whatever this was, it wasn't happening before Peter prayed for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was a very visible change. Even though they've always been baptized in water, you know, Philip baptized them in water. It was only when the baptism of the Spirit took place that Simon got so excited about it. And Simon was also under the impression that he can also receive the Holy Spirit and the baptism of it, and that he can pray for others then to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he was never corrected by Peter that that was wrong. He was only corrected for his twisted heart, where he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit with money. So it is evident that it was evident to Simon that he could receive this. And it was available to him, if only his heart was ripe. I want to now continue on with how we talked about the house of Cornelius and how Peter visited this house, because that was also a special event where the baptism of the Spirit happened. Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. As Peter simply spoke about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit spontaneously fell upon the people and they were filled, baptized with him. And they continued to speak in tongues, a sign happening there again. This is a little different from the other events we looked at. The other events had the believers lay hands on someone and then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In this case, it was a spontaneous thing that happened. And it's very similar to Acts chapter two, when when the people were just spontaneously filled as well. The baptism came as tongues of fire on the heads of the people and they were baptized speaking in tongues. So we see that there is some variety on how it can happen. But you know what's interesting about this story for me is how they were baptized in the Holy Spirit before ever being baptized in water. How can it be that water and spirit baptism must always be the same thing if it's very clearly in these instances two separate events, Peter even saying they've been baptized in the spirit. What withholds us from doing water baptism now, creating another clear distinction between the two there so thus far in looking at whether baptism in the Holy Spirit and baptism in water is always the same event or whether baptism in the spirit and salvation is always the same event. We have discovered the following if baptism of the spirit always comes with salvation and water baptism. Peter would not need to go lay hands in order for the Samaritans to receive the baptism of the spirit since they've already believed by then and received water baptism. Paul would not need to have laid hands on those under John's baptism. They would have only needed to believe and been baptized into Christ, into water. Cornelius's household was baptized in the Holy Spirit before they could even be water baptized. In every case, the baptism of the Spirit was a very distinct event from water baptism. And if baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same event as salvation, why do so many believers report a later date of experiencing an awakening in their life regarding the Holy Spirit? Ponder this with me for a moment. What would happen if a spiritual leadership was not conscious of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, did not understand how important it was, did not lay hands on others to receive it? Could that not prevent, quench the Holy Spirit? And what if we have unbelief in the signs, the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit brings? Could that not quench the Holy Spirit from working and even quench the Holy Spirit baptism in the lives of many believers? It's just something to think about. I'd like for us to speak a little bit about these miraculous signs that follow the events we have just been reading about, such as speaking in tongues, prophesying, etc. I would like to read a few of them again for you. In Acts two, verse four, we read, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts eight eighteen, we read now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles hands, he offered them money. There was obviously a sign making something special for him that he wanted to have. Acts ten forty six for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Acts 19, verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. The next one is Acts 8, verse 39. And this is Philip, how he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. And there was also a sign that occurred there. And when they had come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Two interesting things about this encounter between Philip and the Ethiopian is that firstly, this, there was a sign that occurred, but this sign was not speaking in tongues nor prophecy. It was the miracle of how Philip was caught up And how the Ethiopians saw it and rejoiced, jumped in joy. He couldn't believe it. And he saw that as a sign from God. Also notice how this event occurs after the other event with Philip we read about earlier in this teaching. Do you remember when I told you how Philip may have not known about the baptism of the spirit yet? Or how to administer it? And then how Peter had to come and do that? Well, at this point, this happens after that event. And at this point, it seems Philip came to a greater understanding after seeing what happened when Peter laid his hands on uh, those people. And now Philip was operating in a greater aspect of faith in baptizing people, where in this moment, the spirit of God showed up unlike ever before in Philip's encounters with people. And the last example that I just want to touch on here is Yeshua's baptism itself. Matthew 3 verse 16. And when he was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. After reading these examples, one thing should be certain. There is no one formula by which baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place. Some people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit quite spontaneously after a man of God like Peter was simply speaking to them. Other people received it when someone laid hands on them and prayed for them to receive the baptism of the Spirit and others simply have received the baptism of the spirit by asking the father for him. So brothers, and sisters, let's not go and get stuck on some formula. God can do this in many ways, and we shouldn't restrict him in that. One thing is also certain is that there were signs that followed the baptism of the Holy Spirit in all the examples we witnessed whether it was spiritual gifts manifesting through these people, like speaking in tongues or prophesying, whether it was the heavens opening up, like in the example of Yeshua's baptism, or whether it was the uh, whether it was Philip being taken when he was baptizing the uh, eunuch. There are so many amazing things that have taken place and God is still in the business If we were to believe, there was a big difference as we just saw in how Philip's journey was. Philip in the beginning baptized people, but he didn't see the same thing that Peter did when he came to baptize in the spirit, lay hands, being intentional about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being faithful, believing for it because it's an act of faith, just like anything of the spirit. But when Philip witnessed it and he then after that later baptized the eunuch in great faith, we see a great miracle, a great sign occur as well there. Do we have belief that the word is still true today? That the baptism of the Spirit still happens the way it did back then? Or does God not do that anymore? Just some things to think about. Another thing that we can learn from looking at these examples is that speaking in tongues is clearly not the only sign of baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if it was, we would expect the Bible to spell that out for us and tell, make it clear that well, the way, the requirement of being baptized in the Spirit, the way we know for certain is if we speak in tongues, but that's never written. That's never stated. That's something that some have inferred because it is something that happens often. Because yes, in many of the examples of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, amongst other things, do occur. But just because it happened often does not mean it is this a sole requirement for evidence of baptism in the spirit. We have other examples like Yeshua's baptism itself, the baptism of the eunuch, or when Peter went to lay hands on the Samaritans to be baptized in the spirit. None of those examples mention speaking in tongues as being one of the gifts that are portrayed there are instead other signs that were given so we can really find just as many examples of people speaking in tongues when they were baptized in the spirit as when people uh, weren't speaking in tongues when they were baptized in the spirit but what we must admit is that it did happen often and so we can expect speaking in tongues to be a sign that still happens often today The Bible, nor God, nor his Holy Spirit changed. Nothing changed except time. And these spiritual gifts are still signs today. Paul mentioned, do not forbid speaking in tongues. We should not forbid others from practicing that gift. We should not criticize that gift. For some reason, speaking in tongues has become a extremely taboo gift. And undoubtedly, this has quenched the Holy Spirit from moving when he has desired to do so because people are afraid of exercising the gift. People feel could even feel it is wrong to exercise the gift. And what damage that has done to the kingdom because, well, demons tremble around this gift. That's the reality of it. And anyone who says otherwise has never really dealt with demons and causing demons out. So, brothers and sisters, we are here and we're facing this idea of speaking in tongues being wrong. And yes, that has been a problem. And then we have the other side of it, where many have come and teach that, well, if you don't speak in tongues, they've gone as far as to say you're not saved. That's such dangerous doctrine and partly why the other camp of people despise the gift. But there is a balance. There's a miller road here. The gift is healthy. It shouldn't be stopped, forbidden, as Paul said, but it should also be seen for what it is. Not a requirement for salvation or baptism of the Spirit, but another spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit. And so if you have been gifted with speaking in tongues, or if you've been gifted with any of the spiritual gifts, make sure that you don't despise others in, who aren't um, practicing the same gift. We are part of a body of believers and we all have our own rules. We all have the same spirit and we all are able to do the same things because of the same spirit who enables it in us all. But we will all have our passion, our giftings, our talents. And so looking down on others who don't practice the same gift as you, that's not good. And it creates division. I also want to state to those who believe that speaking in tongues is reminiscent of greater spiritual maturity. It's not necessarily the case. While it is certainly contributing to our spiritual maturity. The Corinthians were speaking in tongues. Yet Paul described them as being like babies still one Corinthians three verse one but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. For I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even though you, you now you're not ready. For you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? We must seek the spiritual gifts. For some reason, somehow, they have become optional to believers. Some, for some reason and somehow, the baptism of the Spirit has become optional even. But in the Bible, it seemed as part of the deal of following the Messiah, imitating this part of Him. For if you lose this, you will lose half of His walk, which was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So while I encourage us all to seek the gifts, I also encourage balance, wisdom and all these things. And I love the gift of tongues, but I want us to practice it in moderation and for what it was made for. If you want to learn more about the gift of tongues, please watch my teaching labeled Speaking in Tongues, a detailed series on that subject. I'd like to now read to you. The spiritual gifts as outlined by Paul, 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good, for to one given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, to another, the utterance of knowledge, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. One can lead a quote unquote normal Christian life without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can experience God and you can even be led by the Holy Spirit without being immersed in him. But the question is, is do you really want to do that? Because the only way for you to really imitate your Messiah is to have the same spirit in and through you that he had flying through his veins. You see, brothers, sisters, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we will get an intense hunger for seeking his spiritual gifts and walking them all out. You will have a fire burning in you to go after this thing with everything in you and you will stop at nothing until it is accomplished in you. You see, I want to just say this, though. Some believers have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but because they have believed bad doctrines, they don't even realize it because this has been kept from them i want you to just think about this for a second for me think about if you had a child and this child you saw had a natural talent for music and you sent this child to a piano teacher to learn the piano there's many things that can go wrong in how this child learns piano the child can be scared of the piano the child can say, I, 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 I'm too scared to do that. I don't want to go there. I, I don't like the way it looks. I don't like the way it seems. The child can even say, I don't know if it's okay. Is it wrong for me to play piano? Or is it all right? Is it something that's good and true to do? The, tri- the child also may have more fun things to do. They may not have the determination to practice and play the piano, but they have other interesting toys they want to play with instead. And then the child can also have unbelief in their own abilities, simply saying, well, I cannot do it. I'm not even going to try. These are the same things we as the children of God can struggle with. You see, you can have the gifting. You can have the Holy Spirit given. You can have the spiritual gift of Speaking in tongues, of interpretation of tongues, of prophecy, of words of knowledge, of whatever it is that you feel the Father is putting on your heart. But if you are afraid, if you have unbelief in your ability and what he is giving you, if you believe a lie that it is actually evil to practice that, or if you're distracted and you have no self-determination to go after this thing, all of these reasons will keep you from what God has for you. And at the end of the day, it will be you before God and you will be faced with that reality. You see, this life is but a vapor. This life is appearing for a little while and it's going to vanish. None of those reasons are good reasons for wasting the little time we have right here to become everything we are supposed to become in Christ all of these reasons before god will seem ridiculous all the reasons we come up with to not step into what he has for us all the excuses we make all the time for why not is it really going to be worth it to continue lying to ourselves about why we can't go ahead with this and you may look at me and be like Petey, i don't know i want this how do i practically receive it First, I would like you to I would like to remind you of what we talked about in the beginning of this teaching, the signs that I gave you for baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can be sure that you haven't received it yet. And it's not just a case of you having fear or lack of determination, you believing a lie of that it's something has been wrong that's not been wrong or unbelief or whatever it was. But if it's not that. And you really feel like you haven't received him. The Bible tells us how. We've read many examples of how there's a laying of hands that have occurred. And that's one way. But we've also seen how it's happened spontaneously when someone simply spoke over them. Or when there is an asking. You see, brothers and sisters, for me personally, my testimony is not that someone came to lay hands, even though that would have been fine. My testimony is the fact that I was alone. I had no one to go to. I had no one who knew about any of this stuff, but I read my Bible and I saw something was missing, even though if I didn't fully realize what it was yet, I went into my room, I closed my door, and I, I went on my knees and I asked. But I not only asked with a faith like the wind coming and going, faith like the waves up and down. I asked and I believed in what the word said that he wants for me. So you need to believe that he does want this for you, for someone like yourself, because that's the truth. That's the reality of this all. And as I did, his spirit came upon me, filled me, and I started speaking in tongues. And I, from that day onwards, I remember things started changing in my life more and more. That was the first spiritual gift I received. But I would receive many more later as they got built upon one another as I sought them with hunger out. But are you really seeking them out? Because if this is a thing where, oh, yeah, I'll ask because PD told me to ask, you might as well not ask. This is something that you do as you you knock on the door, you ask. But you knock consistently, persistently until the door is opened. I asked for two years. How long have you been asking? It doesn't have to be two years for you because I didn't even have any of the knowledge of what I have been telling you in this video. So things must become easier for us all. This is not something far away that you can't have it. This is not on a mountain of fire where you can't go. He has broken the barrier down so you can have this. Don't let this pass you by. He says Matthew 7 verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. So will you ask him because your father wants you to have this more than you want to have it. And I'm going to right now go and I'm going to pray. I'm going to speak about the Holy Spirit to you now. I'm going to pray over you like Peter prayed over those Samaritans, like Peter went into the house of Cornelius, etc. And we are going to see this happen according to our faith. Father, I thank you for this day holy spirit i thank you for your presence and i thank you for filling each person up now listening to this and every barrier every lie that's kept us from us every lie about you your giftings that have kept us back that's kept our mouths shut everything that's been holding us back lord i break every barrier down you see brothers and sisters i just feel like i need to add this god wants to move through us, but sometimes we are what's in the way. Sometimes it is our inaction that's in the way, because at the end of the day, even when I was there in my room and for me, even though for me, the sign was speaking in tongues as I was there going and about to receive it, I had to open my mouth you see some people have come to this belief and understanding that it's oh you know um, god's gonna kind of use me like a puppet on strings but that's not true you have to have action you have to go in faith when i pray for someone to get healed i have to go up to them and faith believe lay hands i can't just you know do in action and hope it happens I have to do something about it show my faith and that's the same with all the gifts that's the same with everything relating to the Holy Spirit so you're you have to step out and believe and have action follow because that's what true faith is is it not father I thank you for that Lord and I pray right now that you would fill every person listening with your spirit and power Lord, I thank you, Lord, for when they go home, when they finish this, when they pray tonight to you, that they would have a confidence in them about who lives in them. Father, I pray that you would fill them, that they would bubble over with you. I pray, Lord, that they would prophesy. I pray, Lord, they would receive dreams and visions i pray lord that you would come and manifest fruits of the spirit like never before i pray for boldness upon them like never before lord i pray lord that you would come with your spirit and do things in their midst miracles and signs that you would open the heavens upon, over them like never before father i thank you lord for helping us be obedient hungry and holy for you we pray all this in the name of yeshua